The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. So, I love this time of year as we're moving closer to Easter. Um, and next week we'll be in John moving into the crucifixion and then the following week into Easter and it is such an incredible thing for us to remember and to have events like Easter and Christmas to remember just how incredible our God is and Easter kind of climaxes the point of the book of John is that Jesus came that uh, we might have life and have it to the full. And the cross and the resurrection are just this beautiful picture of the God of the universe becoming a human being to go to the cross to pay for our sins, to reconcile us with God, and then to break the bonds of death and make life available to us. And I realize how I just kind of take it for granted instead of just that incredible... Uh, and so this morning we're going to continue in the book of John Uh, I'd encourage you to just follow along as I read as we move from Judas betraying Jesus Peter denying Jesus Jesus has been before Caiaphas the high priest and now the religious leaders have brought Jesus before Pilate Uh, Pilate is the Roman governor um and represents all the power of Rome. It says Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. I mean, flogging was a a cruel thing. And at this point, after being flogged, Jesus is just left bloodied and bleeding and on the verge of death. A lot of people didn't even survive flogging. So he's been flogged. The soldiers twist together a crown of cruel thorns. They cram it onto his head. They clothe him with a purple robe and then they go up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slap him in the face. Um, that incredible what the creator God of the universe submitted to for us. And then Pilate comes out and says to the Jews gathered, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. He's innocent, Pilate says. Verse 5. So that Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Here is the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify him. They are just rabid to have him put to death. They're jealous of him. But Peter answer, Pilate answered again, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. But the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He was afraid already. This guy that should be the man in charge, the big man. I mean, he's just like scared. He knows he's out of his element. He goes back inside the palace and he says, 
He asks Jesus, where do you come from? But Jesus was silent. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you know who I am? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? In verse 11, Jesus says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate heard this, it kind of left him without an option. He, he could not be someone who wasn't a friend of Caesar because he was only in his position because Caesar let him be in that position. So he hears this, he brings Jesus out, he sits down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha, and it was the day of preparation of the Passover about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? And this is incredible. The chief priests who are the leaders of the Jewish people who claim that Yahweh is their God say, we have no king but Caesar. And so Pilate hands Jesus over to them to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, I pray again that you would Open our eyes to the truth you have in these, these words, your word for us this morning. Father, you would reveal to us real power. Father, the world we live in has such a false sense of power or powerlessness. God, remind us of true power and that power that is ours in Jesus. Amen. So we we live in a world where power is, or powerlessness pervades our world. Uh, the, The first thing I thought of when I was kind of coming to the end of preparing this sermon was a, a mug that my wife Cindy used to have it, until it broke. I think it was God trying to teach her something. And it was a, a, a gal, you know, holding up her bicep, you know, girl power, saying, we can do it. That explains to you my wife. And uh, <laughs> she's wonderful. And... Uh, <laughs> All right. Any invitations for lunch today? Let me know. <laughs> um, but we we live in this world where where it's it's about power. Um, growing up, there's a, a bunch of funny ways. Um, even as after the first sermon, my Cindy and I we were in Colorado all this last week. Uh, 
with our grand, two of our grandkids. It was a, a fun time. And then our son just, you know, piled, on, piled it on this morning by sending us a picture of our two grandkids saying, we miss you. And, <laughs> uh, but Cindy reminded me, it was fun. Our, our, Owen, our two-year-old grandson, his favorite thing to do is to tell, don't look at me. And, and, and she was like, that's his way of trying to be in control, of showing power. Uh, I mean, all the, you know, guys, how did you try to exert your power? Arm wrestling, right? Who could, or, or some form of trying to get the other person to say, uncle? Come on, girls, even you participated in thumb wars. You ever do thumb wars? You're not very cool then. <laughs> You know, and um, staring contests. Do you ever do a staring contest, getting the other person to blink first? I mean, all these silly ways. And then as we grow up, uh, having this perception or this, that, you know, that power is in the person who has the most money or, or in a particular position or because of their possessions or their title. Um, in the midst of, this world we live in or, or the powerlessness that maybe even some of you this morning feel because of being abandoned or rejected or abused. I mean, we, there's this power and powerlessness that just pervades our society. The question I want us to be thinking about this morning is, what is real power? Um, so if you're feeling powerless, you can understand the power that really is yours in Jesus. Or if you're, if you, if you're, again, you're allured or attracted by the wrong kind of power and it's leading you away from the peace and the joy and the confidence that you can have, uh, what is real power? The president of the United States is often called the most powerful person in the world, right? Heard that before? Um, and yet, it's interesting. How much power does the president really have? I mean, it was just a few weeks ago that a federal judge in Washington State, that's where we live, in case you weren't familiar, um, blocked an executive order by the president of the United States. Um, and how much power does the president or senators or Congress people or any politician really have when they're beholden to the people that helped elect them or special interest groups or lobbyists? I mean, the question is, where is real power? The, uh, some quotes uh, about power that impacted me. Abraham Lincoln, you're familiar with him? He was a president. Um, he was in surveys of the most important presidents Abraham Lincoln's always right at the top of that list he said if you want to test a man's character give him power what happened to Abraham Lincoln he was assassinated Um, Jimi Hendrix there were like three people in the first gathering that knew who Jimi Hendrix was. Jimi Hendrix said, and this is, a, this is a powerful phrase, he says, when the power of love 
overcomes the love of power, then the world will know peace. That sounds good, doesn't it? But he died a man with no peace. He drug overdosed. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 32nd President of the United States, said, let us never forget that government is ourselves and not an alien power over us. The ultimate rulers of our democracy are not a president, senators, congressmen, government officials, but the voters of this country. And yet isn't it funny how often we spend our time complaining about politicians or putting back into power politicians when supposedly we have the power. Where, where is the real power? Even Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a, a powerful man in the political sense, the only president elected to four terms, uh, was himself uh, a polio victim and in a wheelchair, in some sense powerless. One more. This is kind of a history lesson today if you haven't figured it out. Joseph Stalin. Some of you are probably too young to know who Joseph Stalin was. He was probably the architect of the Soviet Union and and entrance of communism. He said, the only real power comes out of a long rifle. (laughs) Is that true? Is that what real power is, just brute force? The, The biggest bully is where the real power is. As we come to John 19 this morning and ask on ourselves, what is real power? This is what I want us to get out of these verses, that real power to effect real change, not forced or unwilling change or enforcing somebody enforcing their will or their power upon another person. Real power to effect real change comes from above. It's not political power. It's not religious power, but it's God's power. And the incredible thing that, I, that I'm praying for, that each one of us would get, whether you're feeling powerless, uh, a victim this morning, or whether you're, you're allured by false power, which is so easily happens, that coming out of this time this morning, we would have confidence again of who we are in Christ and that power is ours, real power, the power to impact and see lives change and our world change is ours in Christ. Um, And the way we're going to do it is we're going to contrast three individuals here. We're going to contrast Pilate. And like I said, Pilate represents Rome. The Roman Empire was the power in the world at the time. And Pilate is the governor of Judea because the Roman Caesar wants him there. If the Roman Caesar didn't want him there, he's not there. He's gone. But Pilate represents Rome. The religious leaders represent religious power. And they represent, they're the power over the Jewish people. Um, And then we see Jesus. So we're going to contrast Pilate, religious leaders, and Jesus. We come to number verse 4 here. Notice what it says again. After interviewing Jesus, 
Pilate comes out to the Jews and he says, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. And so Rome is saying Jesus is innocent. But notice as we keep reading, you would think at that point that Pilate being the man, that he could say, Jesus, you're free. But look at verse 5. Jesus comes out. Pilate says to the Jews, here's the man. The chief priests, they say, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate says, you take him and crucify him. As for me, again, I find no basis for a charge against him. He's innocent. So why doesn't Pilate let him go free? Well, the Jewish leaders insist, we have a law, meaning the Jewish law, And according to that law, he must die because they're saying he blasphemed because he claimed to be the son of God. Well, when Pilate hears this, in verse 8, it says he was even more afraid. Now, this is the man in charge. But notice, he was afraid before, but now he's even more afraid because he, he realizes he's dealing with something bigger. Then him, and he goes back inside and he asks Jesus, Where do you come from? And Jesus was silent. <laughs> um, you know, this would have been the opportune time if Jesus was like uh, there against his will, where he could have said uh, whatever Pilate wanted to hear in order to, that Pilate would free him, but he's silent. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I, I'm the man. I have power to either free you or to crucify you. And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Jesus is very clear that power comes from above. Verse 12. And so from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. This man who represents the Roman Empire is trying to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders shout, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And so Pilate proceeds to condemn Jesus. You know, this is a great illustration, I think, of political power, which... So many of us, I think, look up to as power. (laughs) Um, I think one of the clearest illustrations of how um, fleeting political power is, as we look at Pilate, is if he would let Jesus go, the religious leaders would have reached out to Rome and, and Pilate would have been done. He knew that his power was fleeting and it was dependent on the favor of Rome and, and we see that in our political system how elections can change things right people that we think oh, if we just have a new president or we just have a new governor or a new mayor everything's going to be great and we realize that our hope isn't in political power I mean it's incredible how fast it can change as we move from a president Obama to a president Trump I mean on the opposite ends of the spectrum Our hope isn't in political power. Even Joseph Stalin, the first ruthless dictator of the Soviet Union, responsible for tens of millions of deaths of people. I mean, he was was horrible. He was a bully. 
after his death and dozens of years later, the communist system that he set in place, the Iron Curtain, fell. (laughs) Fell. Um, Political power isn't real power. Um, If your hope is in a new politician, you're looking for the wrong place for real change. Then we come to the religious leaders. In John 18.31, just before we come to John 19, Pilate said to the religious leaders, take Jesus yourselves and judge him by your own law. And this is what the religious leaders responded. They said, we have no right to execute anyone. See, they were under the power of Rome. And they, they hated Jesus. They were jealous of Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus, but they didn't have the power to do that. They had to come to Pilate and to Rome, the slave masters that they were under, that they hated, and they had to grovel before Pilate in order to see Jesus put to death. And then at the same time, as we come to verse 12, the religious leaders are telling Pilate, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. And so we see this this battle between two powers that really aren't any powers at all. The religious leaders really have no power to put Jesus to death. And Pilate, because of the religious leaders, has to put him to death when he doesn't want to put Jesus to death. Um, You know, religious power isn't real power either. Um, Jesus spoke harshly about these religious leaders when he was still living, didn't he? He called them whitewashed sepulchers, full of, look good on the outside, but full of empty dead bones because they were, they were putting these rules on people. And when I talk about religion, that's what I mean. You know, people putting religious rules on people to get people to do what they want them to do. But all it does is enslave people instead of setting them free to become everything that God wants them to become. Um, in our in our state today, we've it's become really clear how um, how religious rights are subservient to other rights. A decision made by our Supreme Court just a few weeks ago that a a religious conviction on the part of a florist, um, she's losing her business, her house, her livelihood, every everything because. Um, of a religious conviction that our Washington Supreme Court said is subservient to civil rights. Um, If you're looking to religion as the power that'll rescue you, it's it's not in religion. It's in this person of Jesus. That's what's so incredible. As we come back to verse 11... Jesus makes this statement, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. I mean, the person that seems to have no power in this scenario that's going on, Pilate, the Roman governor, the religious leaders, the leaders of the Jewish people, I mean, this power struggle going on between them and caught between them, this seemingly 
powerless man that's been flogged, that's bleeding to death and is about ready to be put on the cross is saying, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. In John 10, 18, listen to what Jesus says. He said, no one takes my life from me. As he was looking ahead to this time, he said, no one takes my life from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And what is incredible is this Jesus who seems to be the powerless one in this scenario, here because of the jealousy of the religious leaders, sentenced to be judged because of the fear of Pilate, in reality, is the sovereign God of the universe submitting himself to the power of Pilate and the power of the religious leaders in order to go to the cross and hang on the cross seemingly utterly powerless. so that hanging on that cross, he could break the power of sin. As he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As he says, I thirst. The fountain of living water thirsts as he carries our sin. And then as he says, it is finished, paid in full. The sinless son of God, seemingly powerless, is there demonstrating the most incredible power as he pays for sin, as he breaks the power of sin in order to make broken people whole, in order to to bring forgiveness to all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and restore our relationship to God in order to make sick people well. The powerless son of God is the one who really is the real power. Isn't that incredible? Um, what about us? Real power to effect real change comes from above. Are, are you fooled, fooled by false power? Have you, are, does your hope of rescue, of change, come with every election cycle? Oh, if only my candidate will win, then there's, there's hope of change. Your, your hope is in the wrong place. I, for, me, for me, much of my life growing up was, was fooled by, by religious power, thinking that if I just followed the rules or got other people to follow the rules, change would happen. But that's, it's external, like the, the change that the religious leaders enforced upon the Jewish people, rules and laws that bound them, didn't set them free to be what God had created them to be. Or is your hope in the only power that can truly change you and change those around you, and that's the power that's in Jesus. Um,
in Matthew 10:28, Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, listen to this. Uh, this is an old poem that I want to read for you that to me just captures well Jesus and his seeming powerlessness that impacted the world with a power um, unlike any other. It's called One Solitary Life. It says, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in, in another obscure village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30 when public opinion turned against him. He never wrote a book. Couldn't have been very important. He never held an office. Never went to college. Never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials. He had no degree. He was only 33 when his friends abandoned him. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves while dying. His executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. But 19 years have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments or congresses that have ever sat, all the kings or presidents that have ever ruled, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. The, uh, what are you looking to for power. Three things I'd like like us to remember from this passage in clothing, closing. Number one, Jesus alone has been given all authority and power in earth. <laughs> there is power in no one else. Like Jesus alone. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, Jesus said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is power. Number two, if we understand that, number two is, get this, his power is our power. Get that? His power is our power. Listen to these verses, Ephesians 1, 16 through 21. Paul says, I pray that the God that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that your the eyes of your hearts would be opened that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe that his power is our power according to the working of his great might might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also 
in the one to come. And in Romans 8 said, you know, won't that God do anything for us? (laughs) His power is our power. Number three, so don't be fooled by false power or false powerlessness. Um, Remember who you are in Jesus. (laughs) That your hope of change and and power that so often we we're drawn to and our and we put our hope in it's not in that it's in Jesus you are you're a kid of the king <laughs> and it doesn't matter if somebody's mocking you or making fun of you or has abused you or rejected you or abandoned you you're his and your confidence and your peace and your hope no matter what you've gone through and no matter what you're going through can be strong in Jesus. Paul, who was beheaded by Nero, one of the Roman emperors, said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you have that confidence this morning? Or is your confidence misplaced in something or someone or your hope of something else? Uh, feeling powerless? You don't need to feel powerless if you're in Christ and you're a kid of the king. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And if we know him, we'll be confident of who we are in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus who though he was sinless, went to the cross, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. We could become restored in our relationship, Father, to you through him. Father, thank you for Jesus. Open our eyes to see him, to remember who we are in him. Amen.